1: This is your pal, Dane Alves, the host of the greatest wrestling show of all time. The only one you need to be listening to, actually, on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and just every other platform, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, Tonight, we're going to break down the last week in wrestling and give our opinions. Of course, I am honored to have my co-host with me, uh, Mr. Brother Christopher A. Patton. How are you doing, sir?
0: Doing good, man. I uh, just got up from a nap,
1: and uh,
0: I feel refreshed, bright-eyed. We crack open a beer and get ready to talk some wrestling with you.
1: I'm happy for you. I just chugged an energy drink, and I swear I am delusional still. Like, just, whew, This should be a fun episode, is, is what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> it's, it, was, it was a mild week again. We haven't had a lot of news. You know, New Japan is right now in the midst of a uh, tag team tournament. Um, I heard the, the new Mega Powers finally made their debut, so I'm definitely going to check that out with Okada and Tanahashi on the same team. Uh, but, you know, they haven't had a lot of storylines. I mean, obviously stuff is going to change when we go to Wrestle Kingdom, but we've been mainly getting a lot of stuff from what's going on as far as contracts, uh, negotiations, because it's the end of the year, and uh, WWE, and some positives and some negatives. But either way, we're going to break that down for you. Regardless, um, I want to start off the show once again, unfortunately, um, talking about a professional wrestler's death. Uh, This one, I'm sure many of you have heard, uh, being Tommy uh, Billington, a.k.a. the Dynamite Kid. Um, In a situation like this, I know a lot about wrestling, and I don't want to try to sound disrespectful at all. I've heard a lot of stories about Tommy Billington Um, stuff that's not very positive uh, involving going into business for himself uh, as far as being aggressive with other wrestlers and um, not being the happiest person. I'll just put it that way. But getting past that, I have to look at his body of work as being a professional wrestler. And that's what it really comes down to. And as far as being an influence on modern wrestling, I think the dynamite kid is up there with your Ricky Morton's, you know, with your Ricky Steamboats, with your Rick Flair, I guess a bunch of guys named Rick, um, but, you know, with your Tiger Mask, uh, someone who he had a prolific fl- feud with uh, definitely would say to check out the two matches I post up. They're two classics. One with uh, the the first Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid match. Um, awesome. I think it's like less than 15 minutes. This is a great match start to finish. And very sequenced, you see that type of stuff uh, nowadays. Uh, the other one was with him and Bret Hart. I mean, the man influenced a lot of modern wrestlers from your Bret Hart's to your Shawn Michaels, um, to your Chris Benoit's to your Sean Waltman's. Um, and even going past that with this generation, I've heard stuff from Kenny Omega and AJ Styles giving praise to him. Um, you know, just looking at him as a figure in wrestling that when it came down to it, a, a geyshing ch- t- uh, talent, uh, for one thing over in all Japan and New Japan, but also just being, you know, maybe not the biggest personality or, or charisma magnet, if you will, but someone that kind of changed things in ring wise uh, along with the a lot of the other people that I listed. But um you know, Chris, uh what do you think? Uh obviously nothing positive, but unfortunately and my kid has passed away today, uh what do you have to say about it? Any memories?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's a—he's definitely a controversial figure in the wrestling business. I think, like, you, you hit all the points of influential. He's definitely cited as one of the best ring workers of his time. Um, I guess, you know, if I had to point to a match to go watch, if you've never seen a Dynamite Kid match, I would probably go uh, Tiger Mask 1 versus Dynamite Kid at Sumo Hall, like, April 83. I want to say that's the five-star match. And uh, it's a really damn good match. And he, he was a good wrestler. I know that he definitely had had his issues in the back, even with his partner when he was part of uh, the British Bulldogs. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about that. But obviously, uh, we've lost another wrestler at the age of 60. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy just going through the people that we've lost this year, kind of as it is year to year. And unfortunate, but yeah, I think that I think that two matches you named definitely that the Tiger Mask match would be my go-to if you want to watch a classic, you know, Dynamite Kid match. Um, all, all that aside, I guess you know, rest in peace, Dynamite Kid.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm going to give uh, Dynamite Kid 10 seconds of silence, so we'll do that right now. Well, I also, now thinking about it afterwards, uh, also want to just uh, say rest in peace to George Bush um, Sr., president, obviously, father of George W. Bush. Uh, He passed away over this weekend, World War II veteran. Another controversial figure, but also someone that we should probably reflect on. But uh, either way, you know, it's time to move on and talk about some of the news of wrestling this last week. Starting with uh, a thing that, you know, Chris, I'm so excited to talk about. I mean, I'm more excited to talk about Monday Night Raw than I am, like, Christmas, for Christ's sakes. But, um, <laughs> um, let's try to go through this. I'm going to do, you know, what I normally do. I'm going to kind of read out loud some of the stuff, go through the stuff that really doesn't matter, which would be a majority of the show, and kind of comment, and uh, you know, back and forth with uh, Chris, guys, so... Starts off with Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus Nia Jax and Tamita. I didn't think this was actually a bad way to start off. You know, they'd end up not having a match, but, you know, the ambush by the Riot Squad taking out Natalia, who's taking a break because she does actually have a legitimate elbow injury. So you won't be seeing her for a minute. Um, and, uh, you know, Nia and Tamina get the best of Ronda, which will lead to a tag team match later on that I actually did like. Um I'm not gonna say this was that bad. Uh Alexa Bliss tried to hold another open forum. Okay, this was really fucking bad. Uh I have no idea why they think that, hey, let's do a segment with Alexa Bliss and Bailey again and after it didn't work last week and let's double down and put more people. Doesn't sound like writings of a stubborn old man at all. Um after a few questions though, Alicia Fox, Mickey James came up uh, Bliss stopped them and announced uh, Fox and James against Bailey and Banks. I think the most important, though, thing to take away from this was the fact that the ladies said that they want to be the first women tag team champions, which I don't think they would say for no reason. I think that all of us have realized that the roster themselves, even if they combine it, there's not a lot of women talent uh, to be able to cater to a tag division. But if you also look at the fact that all they keep on having is tag team matches with the women. I guess they might as well have something to display. Um, it's, it's a weird situation. They also made mention that they would love to have a dream match against Trish and Lita. I don't know this, but I feel like that could be the tag team match for the women's titles, maybe at Mania. Maybe I'm speculating, putting too much out there, just trying to find some positive things out of this mess of an opening. Chris, what did you think about all of this?
0: Well, I mean, I always I think it's weird that Tamina just gets lumped with Nia Jax randomly whenever Nia is on a heel run. Uh, and it's not it's, – it's anytime anyone's on a heel run and they need someone to get their back, it's just throw Tamina in there. I, like, I actually thought Tamina was on SmackDown
1: <laughs> <laughs> until
0: the last few weeks. So. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm, that's not – I like Tamina. It's just fine. It's just weird. They always throw her together. Outside of that, I mean, the first little segment is obviously was just to show Nia getting heat on Ronda, which is fine. I, 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 we've already been down the, the Ronda, or the uh, Nia Jacks rabbit hole, so to speak, and how I feel about that. How they're pushing her and how I'm not a super fan of that. It's almost like she's being given. I, I don't like the. Uh, the way that that's been booked, you know, injuring someone and then getting a the push off of it is not something that I really care to see. I know it, it does work in theory, but, uh, yeah, not a, not a huge fan. Um, the open forum with Alexa Bliss, this the segments they've done with Alexa Bliss like this haven't worked, with, especially when it's speaking to Bailey specifically. If you go back to the uh, This Is Your Life segment that she did with Bailey. Possibly one of the worst segments I've seen in wrestling, um, as far as WWE goes. I mean, I would I would throw that up there with you know, May Young giving birth to a hand. Except for the yeah. one that people won't remember or talk about, it, it was just bad. This this wasn't as bad as that, but it's still bad. And then associating all these other female
1: wrestlers with it. What the, what what do you think is the worst? I think the hand example is good, but you made up a valid point about not being memorable and that being a problem with uh, This Is Your Life. But you out of shits and giggles. This Is Your Life or Triple H having sex with uh, Kane's ex-girlfriend corpse thing or whatever the fuck they did in that episode.
0: Um, I mean, as far as just being bad, one is bad, so bad that it's like offensively bad and that made it memorable and it's one of those things that will always be brought up. You could say, okay, they took a risk and it was just stupid and bad. But like that, this is your life segment is just bad, like for really bad. So it's us. one of those things, like, and they're both terrible. Just one is terrible in a different way that people will continuously bring up until the end. of So I, I, I would say it was not, it's not as bad, I guess, but it was still. I mean, it was definitely one of the worst segments I've seen in the past five years that this is my life with Bailey and uh, yeah. I guess her ex-boyfriend and her ex-best friend, that, that whole segment was terrible. And it kind of started with this sense of, of Bailey in general, in my opinion, um, that and just the back and forth with not figuring out whether Sasha and Bailey are, are fucking friends or not. And The best thing they can do for Bailey is get her to SmackDown in some form or fashion and away from Sasha Banks and away from Alexa Bliss because she's just been stale for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean these open the open forums. I, I, I would have thought they would have learned from that, and the public outcry of that that they wouldn't come out and try to do something like this. I don't think it's as bad as like I said. I don't think it's as bad as that. But it, you know, it was a waste of 15 minutes of my time, and it didn't really build to anything other than a, a fucking one-off tag match, and then possibly a women's tag division, which I have no interest in because I didn't have any interest in seeing Bailey versus in Sasha Banks versus Mickey James. Fox, because there's no fucking reason for you to think that Mickey James or Alicia Fox would win a match against Bailey or Sasha so- Bay. So, it, but you know, it's about 20 minutes of wasted time, in my opinion.
1: Well, speaking about that, because I forgot about it already, was uh, Bailey pinned James after the match with the backstabber belly to belly combo, which I do like. Uh, let's go on to another fucking just thing that just pisses me off. Okay, you got your baby faces. Lucha your house party. By the way, let's not be stereotypical as hell and make them call come out with um pinatas. Uh that's 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 good. Uh either way, they come out, they're the baby faces, and they've been going with the revival, which, mind you, at Survivor Series, when it came down to Ron SmackDown was the last tag team against the Usos Even though they lost, that says that that I was assuming that would say that they're one of the stronger tag teams on there besides AOPP. Um, For the last three weeks, they've gone against uh, Lucha House Party, and they have beat them with this fucking three-on-two Lucha House rules bullshit that even the commentary, the babyface announcers, Michael Cole and uh, Renee Young, are, are supporting and saying that it's a revolution, and Corey Graves is going against it? What the fuck is going on, Chris? Why the fuck is it a three-on-two? Is the baby faces supposed is, is that supposed to work? And why do they continue to bury the revival? Not only that, but I don't know if you saw the post between the Young Bucks and the revival. I don't think that you know we're going to be talking about all elite wrestling and all that later on. I I, I don't think that's foreshadowing. Who knows? Maybe they are fucking aggravated about how they're getting written, but either way, even if you don't like the revival, this makes absolutely no sense. am I right?
0: yeah, I mean, just from the standpoint of it, having this special rule set is very reminiscent of n w a rules versus w c w rules, and usually you would er you know when since the Midnight Express came back to defend the NWA titles um, in that short run in WWF and that was like kind of their gimmick was that they used NWA rules so people would get disqualified because they didn't know the weird rules of the NWA like certain things like going off the top rope or it, it, shit like that is a heel move but having like you know a babyface tag team do it is weird unless they are going to turn the heel um but if you're, even if you're going that route, it doesn't really make sense to put them against the Revival, who technically is an old-school heel tag team. So I agree with you. I thought the match itself was fine for what it was, but I get yeah. the concept of and doing it back-to-back like two weeks in a row is dumb unless they're going to play this up and have Lucha House Party somehow win the tag titles through this weird rule and have them become a little, like, heel faction, which you could easily do it. It's not a bad idea to have a, a tag team pill fashion and, and kind of putting them over with the fans and then having them turn against them is, is not necessarily a bad idea. It is weird that your, your good guy commentators or your face commentators are saying this is a legitimate thing. And this is how wrestling should be done. is, is really fucking weird. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, well, it was three v two last week and three v one this week, so the rule isn't even the same. If I'm remembering correctly,
1: I remember Which they've just they've done exact fucking matches three weeks in a row. Why? Yeah, so this is not even fifty fifty booking like they usually do with like one tag guy against the other tag guy. This is literally the same fucking match with the same fucking rules applied three times, fucking over the revival. I, I, I just don't even see where, storyline wise, this would make sense or anything. It's crazy.
0: I mean, if the end goal is to say that Lucha House Party always wrestles as a three piece, and you're going to do that, then you could set up something where the revival has to find another tag member. And you could, you know, do that. And maybe that's what they're going for, but that's not how it's coming off. At all, it's more coming off of Lucha House Party should always be in a handicap match, (laughs) which is not good for them or the the team they're fighting, unless eventually the revival is going to win or or dominate them in some big way, which hasn't really been happening. uh,
1: Pretty, pretty weird. Pretty weird booking in general. Yeah, uh, what I think they should do is just we'll, we'll do a double turn. Okay, we'll have it that'll be three on two and the revival are going to be like, fuck that. We got someone to help us out. And then I don't know how the fuck old Arn Anderson's ass will come to the ring, be in the corner with them. Everyone's going to go crazy. He gets tagged in, gets a hot tag right at the end, gives one spine buster and fucking now Lucha Underground starts beating them with chairs and shit. Uh, I just called them Lucha Underground. Oh my God. Uh, This is a horrible, stupid scenario anyways. And I was trying to make a joke, but seriously, Think about how dumb everything is with that whole entire thing and get back to me. All right, Baron Corbin celebrated Drew McIntyre Appreciation Night by giving Drew a gold medal, uh, the raw gold medal of excellence. McIntyre cut a promo about how everyone sucked, basically. And um, Dolph Ziggler then came out. Uh, He was pissed off, and I was wondering, you know, since they've been put together for the last six months, uh, what the hell was going to happen with this. And he basically said, hey, man, you kind of forgot about me. Um, McIntyre told him he wasn't invited they weren't friends and he used him to get his prominent role in Raw. Ziggler hit a zigzag of McIntyre. Baron Carr made a match between the two. Afterwards we would have Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, during the match McIntyre said he was going to pretend that Ziggler was Finn Balor um, after basically they had like a little bit of a physical match, nothing that bad and then he got the mic and said I'm going to turn up and not pretend you're Finn Balor. Finn showed up and interfered. Uh, he basically, the rep was distracted. Uh, he went and did his little drop kick. Uh, it looked like Drew McIntyre was going to get counted out. Then he got in the ring, and Dolph Ziggler got him with the super kick. Got him three count. Another booking decision I don't really understand. I like that Finn is playing that baby face that's interfering and getting back at all the heels. Um, that I don't have a problem with. It's just the fact that, Dolph's going to get squashed next week from Drew McIntyre. Um, I don't think this really helps Dolph anyways, and I just don't see how a lose to Drew McIntyre or your building makes a lot of sense. So maybe, like I said, maybe I analyze things a little bit too much, but this made a whole bunch of no sense to me. Outside of the fact that Finn Balor got involved, I think the match was bad. I just, like I said, booking-wise, it's stupid. Chris, how do you feel about this?
0: I almost feel like it's going to be a recycle of Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, where Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre aren't actually a part. Um, and Dolph will come out and help Drew McIntyre when he's about to lose to Finn or something, and they'll continue down that road. Mostly just because I don't think the tag team division's that strong, and they don't really have a lot for Drew to do, but it, I, you know, the way they looked at it, when they, the way I assume they looked at it when they booked this match is McIntyre lost because of Finn Balor. It's not because he couldn't beat Dolph Ziggler. So if anyone's actually heard out of it, I guess it's Ziggler. Um, but he's been on the back burner for so long at this point that I don't know that he's ever going to have like another top base run in general. I think it would take a whole hell of a lot to get him back uh, to the top of the card. So I don't have a huge problem with it. If they're just going hey, we need Finn Balor. We need to have Finn Balor have a heel to go against. Drew McIntyre is probably a good guy for that. I'm not a huge Drew McIntyre fan to begin. Uh, the booking itself, I, I don't have a huge problem with. This is one of the least offensive things on Raw. We'll we'll say
1: that. This was not
0: the worst thing <laughs> out of what we've talked about so
1: far. Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. Um, I think that what Ziggler needs to do to kind of refresh things is put a record scratch at the beginning of his theme. Oh, wait, never mind. Um, all right, so then we have Bobby Lashley interrupting a live performance. Uh, basically they brawled and Elias chasing him away with his guitar. Uh, Finn Balor ran and grabbed Leo Rush, uh, you know, get him back at the heels again, uh, threw him out. Elias nailed him with his guitar. Then we had Drake Maverick against Bobby Roode. Well, all right. So early in the night, it's not in my notes, forgot to write it, but basically Bobby Roode and Chad Gable were pissed off about AOP And uh, Drake Maverick peeing on Bobby's robe and wanted a rematch. And so basically, you know, Baron put a match with Bobby and Drake Maverick. So if Bobby beat him, then, you know, they get the tag match. They get their rematch. They can go for the belts again. And AOP and Chad Gable would be, uh, you know, banned from ringside. During the match, Bobby's beat the shit out of Drake Maverick. Then on a monitor, AOP is just destroying Chad Gable in the back, distracting Bobby Roode. Um, Then Baron comes on and says that he changes his mind. He's going to turn it into a handicap match with Drake, Maverick, and AOP versus Chad Gable, who's completely out at this point. Bobby Roode. So Bobby Roode tries to pin him real quick. Doesn't work out. Uh, AOP comes out. They slaughter Bobby Roode, and um, wonderful enough, uh, Drake Maverick pins Bobby Roode. Uh, God, it just, what the fuck are they doing with Bobby Roode? I mean, we say that literally every week, and it gets worse and worse. And I thought maybe this whole tag, and maybe it could still happen, this whole tag team with Bobby getting annoyed by Chad stealing a spotlight and then hinting at that, was finally Bobby going to break and just destroy him? And now, not only have they taken that down a notch, but with the whole entire you know, Drake Maverick pants bullshit. Now, AOP, which was one of the strongest-looking tag teams from NXT, looks completely ridiculous. And no one can take the tag champions serious. And I feel like they're getting dragged down into shit. Drake Maverick's getting dragged down into shit. And Bobby Roode and Chad Gable also. And I just, I find it just fucking stupid. It, SmackDown's tag division is awesome, but let's let's face it, it's great because they actually work with it, but it's like four tag teams, usually three that are primarily involved with it I feel like the Raw tag teams this is one situation where I wouldn't mind just one set of belts but then again, Raw's going to book tag teams just like shit, so I guess we just keep it like this, but there's no strong tag team on Raw, really all of them look pretty goddamn awful. Uh, Chris how did you like this whole entire match?
0: I think it was good for AOP um, kind of just getting some heat back after the, the AOPP incident, as you call, so eloquently call it. So um, I didn't have a huge problem with the beatdown. Uh, obviously, they're going to keep these tag matches going between these two groups. And maybe if Gable continues to get Bobby beat up in this manner, that will be what causes him to break. So I'm not ready to give up on this storyline, but they haven't done a lot to keep me invested. Um, and I agree with a lot of your points. I'm, I'm just going to take the high road and say, maybe, maybe this won't be so bad for AOP if they continue to get beat down. And then you still get the eventual split of the box Chad Cable. But even that being said, I don't know what you do with Bobby Roode. Uh, I, you know, I don't know why they brought him to raw. That, I guess that was my bigger thing. I thought that he could have had some really good matches on SmackDown. There. Um, just based on his size and the fact that he had performed with a lot of those guys previously in, in different scenarios, specifically AJ Styles um, and, and I guess Samoa Joe at this point came over. Uh, I just thought that was a better fit for him and kind of his character on Raw. He's he's kind of gonna he's gonna be lost throwing him in a weird tag team like this. I you know I don't necessarily think it helps him, but uh, yeah. And I'm just not a fan of Drake Maverick as the manager of AOP. I haven't been. It just doesn't work for me. It makes I know he's trying to play a serious character, but he comes off like an 80s manager, but not in a good way, like in more of a comical... It's played up to the fact that it, it's almost like a comedy team. Um, maybe it would work with a different tag team or something, but with AOP, it kind of just comes off a, a little bit too comical for me. Um, but yeah, that's. it wasn't terrible. I think they could still do good stuff out of it, but yeah, I, I agree with most of your points.
1: Yeah, I like your positivity, though. I mean, that, that is very valid points. I think Drave Maverick, and I've said this in the past, I think he's trying to, like, be, uh, you know, pull his inner Bobby Keenan, but he's coming off more like Harvey Wolf- Whippleman, uh than that. Uh, I don't know. And the fact that he's babyface on 205 Live just makes it even more confusing. But then again, I guess that's not even a part of continuity. I don't know. Anyways, he's Slater versus Rhino. Uh, basically, Slater and Rhino, past SmackDown uh, tag champions. I think they were the Raw tag champions too. I know they were the first Smacked. Anyways, it uh, doesn't matter. They go to Baron Corbin asking for a match. Basically, you know they they've been doing this for a while. Blah blah blah. And so Baron Corbin says, "Yeah, all right, you guys are gonna be in a match." And I've been crunching numbers because it makes a lot of sense to crunch numbers right during the whole entire fucking work uh, production whatever um and uh you know you guys are going to go against jed the loser is going to be fired um so they had this match it wasn't a long match uh he slater won over and then they come to find out that he had some more dates i believe in brazil but as far as the u.s uh rhino during the commercial break uh came to the ring and announced his retirement um that was the way that rhino went out <laughs> I don't know why he couldn't have said a little promo at least right at the end and been able to address the live audience since he's been in wrestling for a very long time. And if they weren't going to do that and have it do it during, you know, the break, couldn't they have given him and Heath a better, you know, display of a match instead of something so short? Uh, I don't know. Just seemed really stupid. When uh, Heath Slater came in the back, uh, Corbin said that he's got a new job and he's going to be a referee. All right, we got two more things, but uh, Chris, do you have anything to say about, you know, the match between Rhino and Heath Slater or the fact that Rhino is now retiring? I'm assuming becoming I, a in this future.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge problem with the match itself. Um, it makes sense with, with, you know, Rhino's last big push kind of being with Heath Slater as that tag team for Heath Slater to be the guy that beats him. The whole referee thing is weird to me, which could end up being good for Heath Slater because I'm assuming that that is going to be that Corbin is controlling Heath Slater. So Heath Slater plays kind of like a heel referee like they did with Neil Patrick and uh, WCW for Eric Michel. Uh It's a similar storyline. Well, I think they did it uh, to some extent with Earl Hebner. And Vince McMahon after the Montreal Screwjob if I remember. That was that was kind of a storyline. So they've done this in the past. I, it's not a terrible storyline. It's not one of my favorites just because for it to really work you have to, in, like, the refs have to be, the rules that the refs influence each and every week need to be pointed out more. WWE doesn't do a good job of doing that. So it, what always ends up happening with this is that people are like, well, what the fuck just happened? It's like, they never call that or whatever. And maybe that works. It, Rhino had one hell of a career. I was a huge fan of Rhino in ECW. And then back when he came over to WWF, obviously um, for his short run there, uh, specifically the hardcore stuff he was doing when you had the 24 hour, I think it was 24 hour hardcore title and stuff. Um, and maybe he just wants to go back and focus on politics or work the indie scenes, do the house of hardcore stuff with Tommy Dreamer. Who knows? I don't think it'll be the last time we ever see Rhino wrestle. So I don't have a, You know, huge problem with this match being as short as it was. Um, I think more of his fan base is is kind of the kind of people that are going to, like, his match against Tommy Dreamer on House of Hardcore up next year at Mania, you know, whenever Mania rolls around and they're doing all this, that seems to be kind of where,
1: if he was going to retire,
0: it'd be something like that, or doing, like, a ring on or things similar to Bully Ray.
1: Yeah. Man, tonight I feel like I'm, uh, you know, uh, playing Brian Alvarez and you're playing Filthy Tom Lawler, just you know, talking me off the cliff from being angry about everything. <laughs> uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard with the uh, with WWE. It's, it's easier. I mean, I'm to trying to pull. It. I'm I'm trying to pull some positives out of this Raw, man. This Raw
0: was an in the past three weeks in general, it's been a shit show. So if I don't talk positively about myself, um, I might be right there on the cliff with you, holding your hand. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I get it. Trust me. All right, let's get to the last two uh, rounds of matches. Uh, Finn Balor went against Jinder Mahal. Uh, Jinder was sent by Baron to, you know, avenge him, basically. Uh, the Singh brothers were going to screw over Finn Balor, but Apollo Crews came out randomly. But I'm glad, because I like Apollo, uh, to even the odds. Uh, Balor won by Coupe de Gras. Then he went in the back, had an interview. Drew McIntyre did not leave the building yet, and he beat the living crap out of uh, Finn. Uh, the last match had Ronda Rousey and Ember Moon defeat Nia Jackson Tamina. Rousey tapped out Tamina with an armbar after an eclipse for Moon. I was happy to see Ember Moon and Apollo Crews both get a bit of a push, I guess you could say, uh, more so with Ember. Uh, but... I guess a good way to end it. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Finn Balor-Drew McIntyre match. and uh, Jinder Mahal still is on Raw. I, I forgot about that. I'm glad to know. Chris, uh, what did you think about this ending to Monday Night Raw? I liked the last match.
0: The Finn Balor match was fine. Obviously, they're just building his character up, having him go against different heels. I think they think that either him or Seth are going to be like your fill-in, right? Until they can get Roman or Broadback, I'm guessing, as far as top guys go. So a lot of these matches kind of felt that way. Like Dolph Ziggler kind of becoming a face. Um, Finn coming out and attacking a bunch of different heels uh, or times against heels and then uh, basically beating a heel. It's kind of pointing to that they're shuffling to try to figure out what that path is, like who is their baby face against Broad. Um, so that's... Yeah, the Finn the idea, I think, has legs because they've talked about that match previously. Simply Paul Heyman. Um, it'll be interesting. It, 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 that's the one thing I pulled out of this Raw is that they don't know necessarily where they're going in the title picture, and they don't have a top face right now. Um, because Seth is going to be pretty much locked up with Dean Ambrose for a while. I, I would I would think for the next at least two pay-per-views. Um So, I don't know. It's a lot of shuffling. It's weird. Uh, The Ronda-Rousey match, I like just fine. I think Ronda needs to continue that winning streak right now. And uh, it was good for Ember Moon to be her tag partner and get a little bit of a rub. The match itself was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about. But as far as building Rousey's character, I didn't have a problem with it. And then we didn't get a tie. I think we did miss uh, Gina Ambrose, you know, dressed up like Bane. I don't know if you want to talk about that or
1: not. Damn it! I completely... I completely went over that, and that was actually one of the positives. I know everyone keeps on comparing it to Bane,
0: and I know it's weird for the
1: hard, guy, the hardcore guy from CZ. Being worried about being agoraphobic, I guess. Is is that the right term? Uh, being scared of germs from people. But I will say that you can see a lot of Jim Moxley in this interpretation of Dean Ambrose, more so than ever before. The guy shows he's awesome on the mic. I get the whole Bane comparison, but I actually think – that it was kind of cool with the sirens to me, and his uh parent uh, it was a Houston SWAT team, but that makes absolutely no sense, so i don 't know what the fuck announced teaming said that but obviously hired security guards wearing smoke masks, whatever I thought him being this Gotham villain or 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 you know a Batman villain though I thought was actually pretty cool um, I like in the past how wrestlers have done that either with sting getting. Uh, very, very inspired by Heath Ledger's Joker or Chris Jericho getting inspired by Harvey uh, Harvey R. Dems' character in No Country for Old Men. So I like the John Moxley. I still think it's weird that he's scared of germs being the the hardcore guy that he was, but either way, I think it's working. Um, Unfortunately for him, I, I have more believability towards Daniel Bryan than him as being a heel, but that's just because I think that they've handled it better. And it was a little cheesy, but either way, uh, I did like it. Uh, Chris, h- how did you feel about Dean Ambrose coming out there, saying what he had to say, getting his butt kicked a little by Seth and then taking advantage of it, and then getting back to him and getting, giving him two dirty deeds? The Ooh, lunatic you bridge.
0: Think- <laughs> you think architecture is your ally. <laughs> uh, I liked it. It was fine. I mean, the obvious comparison is because he wore that coat, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the, the the frilly bomber jacket kind of <laughs> it was kind of like a direct. I didn't. I mean, obviously he didn't come out and actually talk like Bane That would have been awesome. I think he should have went that route. <laughs> Maybe set had a personality crisis or something.
1: I was wondering um, actually I, if he was going to talk with the gas mask the whole entire time. I was like, is he really going to try that? And I'm glad he took it off because it's like this is not going to out great for you, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I actually enjoyed it. I. I they're at least they're pulling it away from the Roman Reigns angle, which I think is a good move. Um, yes, and is going to give Dean Ambrose a little bit of legs, and I think you know him and him and Seth Rollins are going to be able to work a good program together. Uh, I think it'll last you know one or two pay per views, and then it'll move on, and then I don't know what you do with Dean Ambrose, but if he continues down the path of building this kind of over the top, uh, uh, it, it could go really well for him, and I mean he could even get rid of the like. Next week, if he came out and had, like, was doing something disgusting that was very germy, so it kind of makes him look like an actual lunatic, that that could work in his advantage as well. So, like, next week, if he's just, like, hanging out in the dirtiest-looking bathroom at some gas station and, like, eating, like, gas station hot dogs or something and cutting a promo, maybe that's, like, where they're going with it. That could be interesting as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I'm not a huge fan of what Daniel Bryan's doing either, necessarily. I'm still kind of not over how they got to turning him heel, uh, but I, I think I, agree, I tend to agree with you where I think Daniel Bryan's scenario is working a little better. But I'm not ready to give up on uh, Dean as a heel, because he, like, he he's highly capable of it. His John Moxley character in, in, in CZW, and uh, God, I want to say it's I, I, IWA, or I'd have to go look, but yeah, that stuff was was pretty good, and if they let him go that crazy and out there, I think it could be, it still could be a really good move. My problem with the way they booked him as becoming heel is that they, they should have just had him do it from the start when he came back from injury. Like I, I think that would have made a whole lot more sense. But eventually, I'm going to have to just let go of that, I guess. So,
1: yeah, I I think my thing is inconsistency. Like with his past interviews, when involved, or uh, you know. His past promos, which involved all that Roman crap, which I was not a fan of at all, uh, to cause heat, you know, he said that The Shield was going to have to um, basically amend their sins of the past, blah, 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 blah. And this time, he's like that he was happy, basically, what he did with The Shield. So it's not that I I can get over it, but the writing doesn't seem like it's as consistent. And I kind of am happy, though, that they took out the direction of bringing up uh, Roman's leukemia. Um, I just want Chris to say, fuck it. Who cares if he's not already an established character? I want Dean Ambrose, this Dean Ambrose on Arrow. uh, His layer could be uh, something that looks like a giant refrigerator and call it the lunatic fridge. Um, I think it would be great. (laughs) Question. Uh, Dave Metzler is uh, saying that it's going to be – uh, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Belt. I talked about it last week, but I didn't know if you knew or not. But I was just wondering your reaction if that's the case. Brock with the belt going against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania this year.
0: I mean, I think that would. I think that's a good move. Honestly, I think Seth is probably has the highest ceiling on Raw as far as a face goes, um, if he's booked properly. And from what it looks like to me and what my assumption would be is he's going to have to get through the crazy man Dean Ambrose and then have to go through what's seemingly, or what seems to me Baron Corbin slowly building a bit of a faction or at least kind of a, corpor- a little corporate story angle with him and then Heath Slater being this new referee and then the Drew McIntyre stuff they did on Monday Night Raw. It seems like that's all going to come to a head and it makes sense for Steph to be the guy to take them on because he's the guy that took on Stephanie previously. And I'm assuming that you'll get Steph and Triple H folded back into things around WrestleMania. So if I was booking, if I if I had to guess what WWE is looking, I should say that would be where I think their head is going. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of them recycling that storyline, but given the injuries and what they have currently, it makes sense, and you can get Seth to where he needs to be to go against Brock. The problem is, is, is it going to be believable if Seth takes the title off Brock? Or are you going to have Roman come out and spear both of them in a one-off at Mania or something like that? That's that's what I don't know. It's how you actually book that match at, at Mania, not necessarily how you get to it, I guess.
1: See, base, I feel like... I'm like, you know, say someone like a Dean Ambrose, Brock will work with Seth, uh, similar to Daniel and AJ. And I could see Seth theoretically going over either AJ or, or I'm just basically doing that stupid wrestling math. I could see it happening. My worry though, and maybe you're not uh, worried about this as much as me. I hate talking about the face of the company, the face of raw, blah, blah, blah. But Seth Rollins is the workhorse. And that's, that's not anything bad about that. But if we look in the past, during time periods, my favorite professional wrestler, Chris, of all time, is Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was definitely the workhorse. Bret Hart was another workhorse. Were they really good faces of the company? Were they really, like, someone that could really bring it in there, say, compared to a Hulk Hogan, a Stone Cold Steve Austin? I, I just feel like, basically, Seth would be a temporary person to grab the belt so Brock doesn't have it Until they can figure out something else is that, is that weird Of me to assume to an extent
0: No I mean But wrestling needs transitional Champions I mean you gotta transition That belt away from Brock at some point And right now Seth is Either Seth or Finn are their two best options It's probably easier To get Seth to that level that he needs To be at that it would be Finn Right now um, And I mean the end goal is when Roman is healthy to to get him back to the top. And obviously, I think he will have a huge push um, coming back from leukemia. And also, like we were talking about prior to the show, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think the fans will be a little bit more behind him. And then that sets up, you know, probably matches between Ambrose and, and Rollins and Roman and I would assume Braun when he comes back from injury. And hopefully we get Kevin Owens back before Mania which I think is his top table right there around Mania. Uh, It's a good mixture of stuff, but I I do tend to agree with you. I I don't know. I I do feel like they've missed the boat with Seth a bunch of times, so maybe giving him the title will get the fans behind him in a way that is a little more unexpected, not to the Daniel Bryan level, but if he beats Brock at Mania, for instance, I, I think that he will get a huge reaction. And I think the fans will kind of rally behind it a bit as like their new guy. And it, at least that's what I would think the hope would be if I was looking at that thing.
1: Absolutely. And, and geek Five's nation, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to throw shade at Seth or in any way, same way I feel about AJ and AJ and Seth probably are my two favorite wrestlers in WWE, you know, main card. It just, it's just a, 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 a fact you know, based on it. But I think you're right, and if you're going to have someone in the meantime have the belt, I think Seth Rollins burning it down is the best option. Speaking about burning it down, I want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of ours, a great sponsor called Action Heat. Uh, Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. So basically Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to, you know, like a a heated car seat they can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last 12 hours on each charge for action heat. The batteries can also be used to recharge your cell phones or any gadget like that uh, while you're wearing them, so it's very convenient at the same time. Perfect for any friend or family on a holiday gift list great for anyone who works outdoors skiers snowboarders or anybody who loves outdoors and hates the cold. So if you guys have family members out there, you know, maybe they're construction workers, maybe they, uh, you know, police officers, maybe they're in this cold weather a lot. This would probably be really good for them. Um, I have a pair of their socks and their heated gloves. I'm a huge fan of it. I work in a warehouse. It's extremely, extremely cold in there. I'm thinking about getting their long Jones as well. Um, Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for you for your whole body, including heating jackets, like I said, the uh, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base, layer shirts, and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe at Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is a perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. And, guys, get this. Heated products that fit everyone's budget, starting at $39.95, we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash geek, G-E-E-K, to check out, Everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash G-E-E-K. Or use the coupon code geek at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter, this Christmas, this wonderful December with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, I'm going to say this one, I like SmackDown. I think they're consistent. I thought last week's was a pretty damn good show. This one was definitely a little bit less, uh, but still had some, I think, some good stuff. Uh, it actually opened up with something I really enjoyed, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Oscar. They took to the ring to talk about their triple threat TLC match at the pay-per-view. Um, basically, it was, it was bickering. Uh, all the ladies realized that they have a leg up. Over each other. You know, Oscar's beating Becky. Becky's beating Charlotte. Shaw's beating Oscar. So you have that nice little dichotomy. I love the fact that I picked Oscar. I don't personally think, because it's something I would want to happen, and that usually tends not to happen, so I don't want to get my hopes up or anything, that Oscar's not going to win this. But the fact that she's within this, I think, shows that. Probably the amount of, of reaction she still gets from the audience is the reason why she's in this position. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really firmly believe that. Either way, it ended with Becky signing the contract and walking back up the entrance ramp. Asuka challenged Charlotte to a rematch from WrestleMania that will actually be next week, which I'm really looking forward to. And uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville interrupted them, talked some shit. They had a match. Um, and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville basically won against Oscar and Charlotte, which I think was good for, uh, for, for the two of them, especially Sonya getting the pin over Charlotte. Uh, basically, Deville pinned Charlotte after Oscar hit her with a siding kick. Uh, that was in retaliation after Charlotte knocked her off the apron, possibly on accident, miscommunication. Uh, the friends went over. Chris, how did you feel about this intro, the match that followed, and the concept of a TLC match with – Becky Lynch, the man, Charlotte, woo, and who's ready for Asuka? I actually kind of like the way they're building this up.
0: I didn't have a huge problem with Charlotte, uh, you know, taking a pin here because obviously she accidentally, in quotations,
1: uh, hit Asuka. So
0: it sets up, uh, sets up an interesting TLC. I hopefully they keep building it. I thought the match itself was pretty good. It was a decent win for. Uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville kind of end up being the punching bag a lot of times when these feuds start, so it was kind of good to see something like that happen and go their way um, a little bit here. So, you know, overall, I thought it was a a decent way to open up Raw, or not Raw, SmackDown. Um, Nothing really to write home about, but it it is building a storyline, and the match wasn't bad, and I didn't think the segment was bad, so... That's a a positive way to start off their show. I'm still not a fan of starting out the show with a talking segment. I know I've said it a billion times, and I will continue to say it, uh, but in this scenario, I I think it worked okay.
1: I agree. And if if I'm going to play Fantasy Booker, I talked about this last week on the show, and I wanted to get your input on it. I don't think this is going to happen, once again, because it's something that I'd want to happen, but since a lot of people are talking about the exact same scenario, I'll bring it up with you. So we go to TLC. We have these three women to make Becky look. I think Becky, regardless to me is going to lose. I think the end game with Becky is to lose this. It's not her fault. It's in a TLC match. She doesn't get pinned. If it's that style, she doesn't, you know, she's out of the match and the other lady loses it. If it's up the ladder, whichever way they go. Um, She goes on to go into the Women's Royal Rumble, wins it, and then challenges Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania for the Raw uh, championship. You have that whole entire thing that hasn't happened that's been building up still slowly. Uh, I would give it personally to Asuka uh, and let Charlotte be the one who loses. Next week for, for the rematch, I might actually have some shenanigans and just have that, interfered with so they can actually have an official second match for you know oscar to beat charlotte this time and then have the two of them go against each other their rematch which arguably i think me and you both thought was the best match at wrestlemania last year so you have charlotte and oscar for the title for smackdown and becky against ronda for the raw women's championship match i think that's way too much of me to ask or hope for but do you potentially see that happening within the storyline? And would you like to see that, possibly? I, I
0: could definitely see either either Asuka or Charlotte coming out on top. I, I kind of lean towards Charlotte getting the belt here simply because you could build a storyline where Charlotte kind of screws both of them over. Fashion, Even though it's an ODQ match, Charlotte plays up the dirtiest player of the game. Tilts more into this full heel transition, which I think is what she should do at this point. And then you have Oscar and Bailey fighting for who will become the number one contender, and uh, you can build for fair as far as what they want to do. I, I, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. It's it's Oscar interesting. I don't, I don't. Huh?
1: You said Oscar and Bailey. Oh,
0: I'm not Haley. <laughs> Becky, sorry. My bad. Not
1: all. Yeah, Becky, <laughs> obviously. Uh,
0: I, I, would, I would think that you would have Becky and uh, Becky and Asuka kind of fighting for the number one contendership with Charlotte holding the belt and just cheating her way through matches up until she inevitably drops the belt to whoever is going to fill that spot. Possibly, I mean, if you're going to do the Women's Royal Rumble and have Becky be the one to go against uh, Rousey, which I think is a good move, uh, then you still have a good match with Asuka. And like I said, we're getting we're getting to the same thing, but just I, I think I would
1: probably put Charlotte
0: to start yeah, so you can start building her as a heel.
1: Yeah, I like it. Hey, that that's fine with me. I think it's more realistic that Charlotte wins it. I don't think Becky's gonna win it. I think regardless, I think that we are going to build up to Becky going against Rhonda. Even if they have like a rematch you know, I think Rumble, she goes in it. I, I'm pretty sure, I don't I don't even know if you know that, I, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte at Royal Rumble, that the rematch was signed for that pay-per-view. I don't know if that's Dave Metzler in my head, if WWE actually announced it, or something I read on the dirt sheets, but I have no idea. I'm sure that we'll find out more information on that. Uh, we had a pretty cool match, Chris, next about, uh I hate to say this, but it's, it's kind of like the three popular guys out of the tag teams. Uh, maybe it's a little bit different with the New Day, but Jey Uso versus Cesaro versus – well, maybe – wait, is Jimmy Uso the one that's married to Naomi? Maybe I'm screwing it all up. I'll just shut up and restart. We had Jey Uso versus Cesaro versus Xavier Woods. Uh, it, it ended with uh, Jey Uso connecting with a super kick with Cesaro's chin for the pinfall victory. Uh, after that, we had R-Truth and Carmella interrupt Ms. TV for a dance break, which I I really do like Truth TV. I really like the the, the pairing of R-Truth and Carmella. It's not getting uh, silly to me. I think it's kind of fun and funny. Um, either way, we keep on going with Daniel Bryan coming out and being his guest. Uh, once again, he, he clarified that the Yes Movement is dead. Uh, he really laid into the audience. Uh, one time, they were trying to do the "what" thing. Daniel Bryan. I have to give credit. Like a good heel, was able to completely destroy that with his new fickle. I'm wondering if they were we're going to see t-shirts for that, or if Daniel Bryan's going to stay true heel and not allow any t-shirts to be made. Um, which I would hope he would actually go down that route. Um, like I said, you know, for being one of the biggest baby faces. It's kind of similar in a way, and I've heard this comparison a lot, to Bret Hart, anti-American, you know, uh, with him being the environmentalist, this style of heel that he's displaying. That people are just not on his level when it comes to intelligence. You know, it's weird to have him as a heel. Like I said, I, I I've watched matches, but I don't know that much about Brian Danielson the red dragon when he was a heel and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know much about that at all. I've just seen like individual matches and sometimes a baby face and sometimes he's healing them uh, from his past. But I will say, I think he's doing a pretty good job with this. I like the fact that Miz was trying to get the information out of him that he was right, but Daniel Bryan wouldn't let him have that satisfaction and kind of manipulated Miz into uh, giving AJ the skull, the skull crushing finale when he came out at the end of it, uh, setting up a match at the end of the night. But like I said, between that and that match between the Miz and AJ, uh, with that, I, I feel like Daniel Bryan stole the show for that match, which might not have been a good thing for the two guys in the ring. But his commentating really established him as a firm villain, and I think that he did a good job with it. So I'll have to give him credit on that. Um, How would you feel about this this uh, this edition of Miz TV, Chris? I
0: actually thought it was a a good outside of r truth and Carmella interrupting with their weird dance break i thought the actual segment itself was pretty good um, i enjoyed I'm, I'm i enjoyed the segment i liked some of the things daniel bryan is doing as a heel uh, a lot of it reminds me of when he was doing i guess i guess you can call it the no movement um right after right before his tag run kane and uh, leading into the match with Sheamus, like we talked about, about previously. This is a lot of the same character. Um, I just don't think the fans were ready to boo him then. So I'll, hopefully it works out for him. Okay, I just I don't see him as a great heel. I know a lot of people are really digging the character. Hopefully he proves me wrong. Um, it's not like he has a whole lot of competition outside of Samoa Joe to be a top heel on SmackDown, so... I'm, I'm. I enjoyed it, and I think I agree with you. The commentary he did on the uh, the last match of the night, the Styles versus this match, was was really well done. And kind of a breath of fresh air. I kind of miss when you have people like Kevin Owens and uh, you know different heels sit in on the announce team. I'm really waiting for the Samoa Joe one. That, that's going to be fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love Corey Graves like trying to ask about like you know workout methods and like try to, like he just he's a great heel announcer. I mean, sometimes they make him say stupid shit, but for the most part, when he's working off another talent like Daniel Bryan, it's pretty funny what he can come up with. Um, very very, very Cartman esque, if you will, in a way. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I dug this. There is a complaint that I think is kind of valid though, Chris, and and I don't know how you feel about this or if you've heard about it. The fact that they're having a storyline about Daniel Bryan basically having brain injuries and then isolating himself in a hyperbaric chamber for hours, and now that's kind of causing him to be a little crazy. Do you think that that's a little bit uh, – maybe they should be stepping in that direction or ba- backing off, or did you not take it that way?
0: I mean, if it, this to me, this isn't a storyline of uh... – Obviously Daniel Bryan is okay with this because it's it's not like someone else yeah. is doing a storyline like, more... against Daniel Bryan or something. So and I you know, okay. I don't have a problem with it. In I they're playing into people's already existing fear of Daniel Bryan matches anyways. Like we've we've had many things like many shows where we've talked about it where you're like, It really worries me, you know, him going against Braun, what or Brock, what could happen, for instance. Maybe I should not beat around
1: the bush. Maybe I shouldn't beat around the bush, but it's more about a past wrestler who had multiple concussions and brain injuries that went off the deep end. Uh, Obviously, it's a completely different layout, but the concept of having a wrestler who has head injuries traumatically that admits that he's having, you know, brain issues might not be the best, smartest route to go down. Basically, I'm talking yeah. about Chris Benoit. If you know, I was trying to be subtle about it, but it's kind of hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way WWE looks at it is Chris Benoit doesn't exist. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: that's how they treat him. They just gloss over it. Um, so it, it's one of those things. I agree with you. I don't think that it's necessarily the best way to convince people that Daniel Bryan should be a heel necessarily. But there a lot of that, I think, as far as so I, I would assume some of this is his idea because he's probably tired of hearing people be like, I don't really know oh, yeah. if Daniel Bryan should be doing this or, you know, that those comments that, I mean, even I've made previously um, it is one of those things that I think you can play into a bit of the fear and, and it works on a, on a real level. And while we might not agree with it, because it is, it does kind of home home to, uh, you know, a Chris Benoit, or someone that we mentioned earlier who passed away, Dynamite Kid. There's been links with some of his personality stuff as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing, but it, at the end of the day, I mean, Daniel Bryan is there and is wrestling, and I'm sure that they're monitoring him very very closely. It took him forever yeah. just you know, get back to WWE, so I wouldn't go that route, but that's the route they've chose, I don't have a huge problem with it and like I said, I mean, it, obviously if, if I mean, I think my bigger problem with it is they have like two other wrestlers that are on concussion protocol right now, if I'm not mistaken, or just got off concussion protocol from one from a Nia Jax Jack shot and there was one other one that I can't think of right off the, <clears throat> the top of my head so, it you know, it's, it's a real thing that happens in wrestling nowadays quite often that's seen that you can physically – because people pay more attention to it now, you know. So it's it, – it, it, when you're playing a storyline like that, it kind of makes you worry. You're constantly putting that in people's minds really in the wrestling. League, and I'm not, I don't necessarily think that's a great thing for your product. That would be like if the NFL just talked about Junior sayot before every game. Uh, yeah. who was a famous player who had concussion syndrome and then uh, killed himself. So, like, it, it's not necessarily a good route to go if you're continuing to have concussion injuries, uh, but that that's whatever. So, WWE, they do shit like this all the time, so I'm not super surprised by it.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree. And I know that Daniel Bryan's been apparently promoting a heel turn, and he has a very close... Uh, Part and writing the storyline for his character, I don't know that that's been said. I think what he, I think that's more coincidental, and people just kind of looking into it. And I think it's a, it, it's 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 for good reasoning, obviously, because of the whole thing with Benoit. But if anything, I think he's more inspired. Like I said, to a, a late '90s Bret Hart, you know, anti-American. You guys turned on me. Or even like a uh CM Punk with the Strata Society more than anything, if there is any inspiration besides just him trying to do something a little bit different. And I mean, as as nice as he is, Dan O'Brien has been, if you guys watch, for good reason, uh, you know, this type he he is aggressive when it comes to the environment and and, and us consuming resources and that's stuff that is dear to him. So now if he gets to like play it can always go baby face and i think that people will accept them pretty damn quickly unlike other people so i can't i can't be too mad about it but yeah going back to what you're saying about the concussions one being becky and obviously the other one being alexa bliss in the process of it very scared to hear on busted open from mark henry that he had about a 20 minute conversation with alexa bliss and she was admitting that she got a concussion didn't i i don't think she said anything about it uh and was having problems like concentrating, and then got another one shortly after that, and was forgetting what town she was in. Um, Now she is clear from the doctor, but Mark was basically trying to convince her to stay out as long as she thinks she needs to before getting back in the ring, because that's not a joke to mess around with, and that's pretty bad, you know, if Alexa is flying to locations and not remembering what city she is in because of past concussions. So it's it's a scary scary, slippery slope. Uh, either way, here's another thing, harping to, I don't know if they should be going this direction, but it's WWE and they're going to anyways. Um, Randy Orton had a match with Jeff Hardy. Basically in the match, Jeff kind of snapped, started just dis- destry- trying to destroy uh, Randy, brought him out, was going to put him on the announce table, climbed to the top rope, but was distracted by Samoa Joe, who was shown on the Titantron at a bar. Um, Second week in a row, I don't think Joe is doing a bad job. I think as far as a heel, he's doing great. But the second week in a row of them going back to Hardy's previous troubles with alcohol and addiction problems. Um, I think Jeff, even though it was like, what, eight months ago when he got pulled over for the DUI, I think he's past all that. I really do this time. And we've seen in the past (laughs) – if you want to watch a match, actually, don't watch the match. It's, it's it's really sad, but a match with him and his idol, Sting, for TNA, in which he was so fucked up on, um, on tranquilizers he could barely walk to the ring. Uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff has had some issues before in the past. This hasn't worked in storylines, reflecting off of addiction problems. It didn't work with Jerry Lawler and J- Snake Roberts. It didn't work with Scott Hall when he was in WCW. It didn't work with Hawk uh, when he was in WWE against Animal and, and Draws. It's, it's kind of a weird uh, situation to go in. I get if Jeff, compared to the other guys who are all going through their problems with drug abuse and alcoholism, he's past this, he's clearing this, and it's making some Joe look good. But at the same time, reflecting on it, uh, you know, people that might have had – someone die uh, of, of, you know, either being an alcoholic or maybe not necessarily die, but had problems due to someone being an alcoholic, or maybe they went and got in an accident with DUI. Uh, the fact that Jeff could have killed someone that night when he was uh, impaired in driving. Um, yeah, WWE kind of distasteful and uh, a little bit um kind of tone deaf once again. Chris, uh, what do you think about this
0: whole situation? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to, like you said, it's very similar to it, it, do you want to take the high road on this situation or do you want to use it to your advantage? And unfortunately, a lot of times WWE takes the low road and uses it to their advantage, similar to what we were just talking about with uh, Daniel Bryan's legitimate injuries in real life and then also um, Hardy's legitimate uh, up issues that he's had uh, on and off even through the end of his WCW run. I think the only time I've ever seen this storyline work is probably Jericho and CM Punk in which Jericho actually was attacking uh, CM Punk's sister and it was more of a non... As far as I know, it wasn't really a shoot and he was attempting to make CM Punk drink CM punk with straight edge. I think it worked in that angle, but yeah, I tend to agree with you like the majority of the time these don't turn out well. The big problem with this is Samoa Joe is so damn good that like uh, I'd be worried that Jeff Hardy actually does start drinking again because <laughs> Samoa Joe is like killing the promo, but I do kind of feel like it, you know you could have gave Samoa Joe anything to work with i you could have him show up at the Hardy compound and start tormenting Matt. Ready and the family, if you wanted to go that route, it, it's Samoa Joe. He's going to make whatever you give him work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just like Stephanie talking about dismemberment with Braun Strowman a couple of weeks after Saudi Arabia. It's kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. All right, so we already talked about a little bit about the last match. Ended with AJ Styles defeating The Miz. Brian was on commentary going more into it. He really started destroying uh byron saxton uh just you know just completely cutting him down which was he was really building his character out i'll say that like i said the match was pretty good um at one point brian distracted styles and miz took advantage hitting a skull crushing finale for two count brian tried to interfere again but styles kicked him in the head styles reversed a miz attack and locked in the calf crusher for a submission After the match, Brian textiles and stomped him in the ring. How do they do those stomps in new Japan and with Daniel Bryan and not actually connect is what I would like to know.
0: Uh, really good wrestlers. You have two great wrestlers in this situation where they just all the Daniel Bryan. They're gonna make that shit look good. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? It's making anything like doing it very, very well. Uh. I you know overall I thought the match was pretty pretty good. I, I really enjoyed Brian on commentary. My main takeaway from this is Miz is in a a lull. I don't think they know what to do with him. And then also I guess one takeaway I had from SmackDown uh over the past 3 weeks is where, it, where I I don't really know what is going on with Nakamura. And what is going on with the U.S. title, it seems like an afterthought at this point, which which I think is disappointing and something they should resolve uh, soon. I don't think that anything they did on this show was necessarily bad, but it is weird that that title was getting ignored and they have a pay-per-view coming up.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. All right, well, we went through on Smackdown guys, and uh thank you so much for uh you know getting through raw with us we uh we did our we did our best, i think as far as all of us, so just pat yourself on the back for doing that either way, I think we had a pretty damn good Smackdown show. Let's go over some news items, Chris, but before we get there, I wanted to talk about one of our other amazing sponsors. A little sponsor called Blue Chew. Guys, let's talk about sex. You know, good sex. Remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Boy-yo-yoing, get it? Um, I will say, personally, me using Blue Chew, and I've said this in the past, you know, this could be something that's something for, to increase size. Maybe you're just trying to be able to last longer with the misses uh, as far as performance-wise. You know, it, it could be anything. Um, and it also can be from a little bit of ED, uh, which happens, especially, you know, maybe someone like me who takes a certain medication that if you mix it with alcohol, even a little bit, you could have some issues. You know, you take this medication, you don't have that problem, trust me. I always joke, it's like a baby's forearm that's in between your legs because of this. I mean, the fact that it's got the same stuff as the good stuff, it's a hell of a lot cheaper, quicker, and more natural. Just think about that. Blue True is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code, GVN, Geek Vibes Nation, GVN. Just a $5 shipping. I mean, pretty damn good deal, guys. Again, that's B L U E. C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, promo code G-V-N, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our broadcast. All right, let's go over some news, Chris. Well, we should talk about our Ring of Honor first. Uh, they have contracted two wrestlers that are both I think primarily in MLW very much on the rise uh one of them being Brody King and the other one being PCO. Uh PCO is 50 years old, ex-Quebecer. You know, um ex-tag team uh, partner of the Mountie back in the day. Sky has had a huge resurgence and in you know, he's got this whole entire gimmick that he's like the Frankenstein monster. Um with with his uh, basically his Paul Bear I forgot what the name of his manager is, but he literally signed in blood uh, on the documentation or at least I don't know if that was the actual documents. But the guy's crazy. He's on Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast and Steve was like, "So how'd you get that that that, uh, that scar down your chest?" He wanted to make his character look that much more creepy and got some got a doctor to do like an incision to give him a permanent scar. He said it was like a tattoo. Hey, whatever, man. Also a big fan of Brody King. Um, guys, a little bit influenced by Bruiser Brody. Um, but either way, I mean, he's tattooed, he's mean, he's scary, hairy, um, can brawl like a motherfucker. Actually, if you want to see a pretty damn good match in MLW, watch Brody King versus PCO. PCO also has an amazing match with Walter. You can find an array of different matches just by using YouTube for this, uh, one of my favorite things about MLW is the fact that it's free on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. So check that out, guys. Either way, they're on their way to Ring of Honor, which, honestly, Ring of Honor um, with, you know, what Joe Cobb said about the Young Bucks and Cody and Marty and all them probably being out after their contracts are done with using Ring of Honor and then lo- losing Punishment Martinez um, and other, you know, talent, they're going to need some guys to restock and change things up. Chris, do you know much about Birdie King or PCO? And are you looking forward to them coming to ring of honor?
0: I I think it's a great signing for ring of honor, specifically PCO, the French Frankenstein uh, car roulette. I think it is, is awesome signing. I think that uh, that's a really cool character, especially for the current lineup that's on ring of honor. Um, I think it'd be really Really good there as a uh, veteran guy. They tend to like to bring in some veterans. They did it with Bully Ray, and, and I think having that kind of presence there is good to work. Some of these matches, uh, I, I think it's a really good signing. Brody King, I I don't know a whole ton about. I've seen uh, one really great match he had with Christopher Daniels. I can't think of where it's from, but it was more recent. And then I remember, I guess it was an SBW, he... Uh, he had a couple of good matches with uh, Tyler, Tyler Bateman and uh, Ruby Raz. And those would be the ones that I, I probably remember the most. Um, and then uh, I know he, he's recently done some stuff with flip Gordon and Marty scroll that I've watched. But as far as like knowing his entire career, I know more about uh, PCO than, than Brody King, but I, I think it's an interesting signing. And obviously the guy he's worked with a lot of really talented wrestlers and, and has a look, a uh, little bit Bruiser Brody-ish and a little bit uh, Alistair Black-ish, so to speak, as far as where, what he's currently rocking, his current gimmicks. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, I, you know, Ring of Honor's got a reload on talent, so it's uh, it's one of those things. A lot of talents have went over to New Japan or isn't there full-time, and a lot of people have been called up to WWE, obviously, so it makes sense that they're reaching out and uh, Finding some of these guys, so it's it's interesting and it's it's exciting um, for sure.
1: Yeah, Brody King, he looks like Braun Strowman and Aleister Black had a baby, basically to me. But he's pretty scary looking, you know, tough looking guy. So him and PCO, man, I'm really happy about PCO. Uh, very similar story to how Glacier came back on the scene last year. You know, I, I like hearing about some of these, like, guys that might not have the biggest success now being able to do some really cool stuff on a lot of independent and also, you know, bigger promotions like this with Ring of Honor. So, good up on both of those guys. Let's talk about some uh, additions to NXT. Uh, so far, that I think the only person confirmed right now are the first two I'm about to say. Everyone else hasn't been, or the last two, I should say, have not been confirmed, everyone. So, don't go off on me. I'm on. Uh, I'm just reporting that Punishment Martinez, ACH, Shane Strickland, and Volter are all going to be in NXT. Um, Punishment Martinez is starting soon. ACH is apparently right behind him. Shane Strickland is very much in limbo. I want to say he's in the same place. Everyone thinks he's going to WWE, but I heard the same thing about the Lucha Brothers, and that kind of died quickly. Um, they're still doing stuff in MLW right now. You, no, there's no. I think they finished MLW. They're still doing stuff in Impact right now, and um, you know, basically, uh, I think I think uh, Dave Dave Metzler was asked about it and said that they're kind of more up in the air now. So I don't know if that other promotion that we're going to be talking about later has anything to do with it. Probably not. Uh, Walter is very different. Uh, Walter was asked to join last year and turned down the contract mainly because he lives with his family in Germany. Um, So he has his own promotion over there. So what Triple H now has going on is that he has a future. He wants to make a performance center over in Europe, basically probably Germany now because of Walter. He wants to use Walter as a trainer and use his gym to help train wrestlers over in that area and wants Walter to help build the product over on UK. Uh, so NXC UK, which I do, I've watched a little bit here and there, you know, because of your Tyler Bates, your Pete your Trent Sevens, certain guys like that uh, that intrigue me. Walter would be definitely be someone that would definitely intrigue me even more so. Right now he's currently the PWG and the Progress Champion. I guess he'd have to drop the uh, PWG belt because they're not affiliated with WWE like uh, – Evolve is uh, progress. He can still keep with the new contract stuff going on. Uh, but I think that the addition of Walter in this way, do I wonder if he's ever going to make it to the main stage? Yeah. And money talks and maybe they are going to have some cross promotion stuff. But I think Walter in this position to help train people, help build a performance that are in Germany. The fact that triple H thinks that he can actually be that guy and ha- help build uh in the back and also you know bring credibility to nxt uk it's really good shane strickland's an awesome performer ach is an awesome performer they're going to do i think pretty damn well in nxt i get scared about both of those guys on the main product and especially ach has been doing this for a while Uh, i told i said last week one of the first wrestling clips before i was watching wrestling again was a little video with ach and kenny omega before i knew kenny omega of them to wrestling and ACH putting on a vest, turning into Cold D Boston and doing the uh, end of the, uh, the match. I think of the first match while Kenny turned into the rock. Um, also, I like punishment Martinez uh, basically like kind of looks like Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin had a baby, but you know, I think they can do stuff with them. He's, he's intimidating. Uh, what do you think about these new signees to NXT? Chris,
0: I, I like the idea of Walter doing his own performance center. Um, and I, I was kind of wondering how up in the air that was going to be with all of the recent contract changes they've been talking about. With the uh, And you probably talked about that last week with the, the way they're handling the U.K. contracts. I was wondering if people would be a little more hesitant or more likely to sign um, with them limiting those dates and a bunch of the things that they were talking about doing. Uh but yeah I think that's a cool idea you know if you're going to do a training facility in Germany anyways it's almost better to just buy into something that's already existing w- with a really talented performer like Walter I think that's a, a really neat idea um I don't ever see him being full time on the WWE roster I could see him doing some one-offs on NXT or even having the little run on NXT, but I, I don't see him as a guy that would want to go necessarily to the main roster. It sounds more like he is very into what he is doing in Germany with his uh, his products and his gym and, uh, and just being with his family. And, and there's something to be said about that, man. Family means a lot. So uh, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I, I, out of the other two signings, I don't know as much about ACH. I do like Punishment Martinez a lot. Uh, I have seen the clip that you're talking about, but uh, I think punishment, Mar- punishment Martinez is a good, uh, good get for NXT, and I think that he could kind of fill a little bit of a role once uh, you know, Aleister Black is called up, and, and I would hope eventually your Tomasa Champa is called up as kind of a heel um, to fit into that, that I guess the NXT heavyweight picture. Um, you got to think at some point they've got to bring up some of these guys they have. I mean, the NXT roster right now is, is more stacked than it's been in a really long time. So that thing is about ready to bust, and, and they're obviously taking strides to reload it, which is good. My worry is more right now, not the guys coming in, but the guys that are there and need to get up to the main roster. And then I'm looking at people like Nakamura, who's your US title champ, you know, like your, the U.S. title holder, and he's not even on SmackDown. So that's, I guess that's a roundabout answer. Yes. I'm excited for these signings. I think the Walter thing is really interesting and a cool idea. I do like punishment Martinez a lot, but I'm more worried about the current NXT, NXT talent and what they're doing with them and where they're going to move them. And whether that means them getting rid of some of these people that have been there for a while, someone like a Chris hero that I think is kind of just an NXT guy at this point. I don't know that he will ever get to the main roster. Um, uh, so it, it's interesting, um, and I think WWE has done a good job of sourcing and reloading that talent pool and getting people like the Ricochets and the Aleister Blacks of the world uh, to become, you know, a part of what NXT is now. So it's it's uh, that roster is loaded. I just don't know what how you transition that into your main roster. Um, and they're definitely not getting paid, like, you would be on the top show either, and
1: that's the other thing. So you got to do something with them or they'll or they'll eventually kind of go somewhere else, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Triple H keeps on talking about wanting, wanting NXT to be its own brand eventually. I think he needs, needs to, like, you know, lay down some stuff and go about it with Vince because his whole globalization, whatever the hell, whatever term he made up, you know... That needs to be its own product, I feel, to an extent. Even if you have it at a smaller market like it does, that's fine. But it doesn't need to be a stepping stone necessarily to get someone from the performance center to Maine. I think it should be its own body, and it should be up to the wrestlers of trying to figure out what they want to do. There's a lot of wrestlers right now that went up. I mean, even though I'm not the biggest fan, I'll, I'll give an example like a No Way Jose, like, why the hell did you even call him up if you're not going to even use him? You know, I'm sure that him and others are on main event. It just It's just very, very weird. Now, I will say, and this kind of pertains to our next topic, guys, this is a little bit of a spoiler for NXT. Um, I think actually this is the episode that might be coming on tonight. Uh, you know, if you don't want to listen, just head on couple minutes, probably about two minutes later, and we'll be done talking about it. But I feel like I know what they're going to be doing with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano specifically. Remember, like I said, spoiler warning. Because on on the, uh, I think, last, maybe the one before that, well, one of the last recordings of NXT, Aleister Black is dealing with Johnny Gargano, no, he's dealing with Tamahto champa, and Johnny Gargano comes out and they attack Aleister Black together and do their, uh, I forgot what the name of the tag team move is. And they also recorded them in a tag team together. So a heel version of DIY is now established somewhat. Now, not saying that we can't have the two of them, you know, go against each other again, or if even this is some type of partnership, but when it's pertaining to, specifically, I think the ones that me and Chris are kind of worried about the most, who are ripe to go to Maine, are Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream, The Undisputed Era. Uh, well, I, w- I would love to put, like, Pete Dunne in that situation, but I think they have stuff with him in UK. Ricochet could probably stay there for a little bit longer. And then both members of DIY, Tommaso Ciampa, um, and also uh, Johnny Gargano. This is me just spitting stuff out there. What I would do, keep DIY as a heel, even if you have them go off when they debut, to help, and it would be SmackDown is where I'd fucking send them, first and foremost. Sit on the SmackDown as a heel tag team. Get them established to be main heels with the audience. Then you can kind of reverse it in a way where Johnny goes back to being good and try to help them go back out to becoming solo audience because we know the stigma is the fact that they are smaller. We don't want to see them obviously go to 205 Live. I love a lot of the guys in 205 Live, but I'm just saying. Aleister Black, I think you can send him to Raw and he would be okay. I'd I'd be less worried with SmackDown. Um, I feel like Velveteen Dream is meant for Monday Night Raw. That could be me just being crazy, but I really feel like he's Vince-proof. I don't know. Prove me wrong. Another thing about their size, like I'm Disputed Era, should go all up as one unit, uh, kind of invading in some sort of way. Well, actually, what they did with NXT, coming that way, I think you can actually get get away with their size because they're a faction on Raw. But that's the way I would do it, because all those guys have to move up pretty fucking soon. Uh, Lars Sullivan's obviously your new free agent. going to be going on either way. I would prefer him on SmackDown because he's worked with smaller guys. And uh, it seems like he would probably fit in better as the big guy for those those dudes on SmackDown. Because there's a lot of giants on Raw right now. So I don't know where the fuck he'd fit in there. Uh, but yeah, that's your basically your class. EC3 is someone I, I would just bring up. I, I feel like even though his in-ring skills are not the best, he's kind of like the drifter in the way that it's not going to work out with him too much on ixt just bring him the guy's got charisma for days he's good on the mic you know you can have a viable babyface or heel with him on either product i don't see his ceiling beating that high though chris everything i just said basically uh pertained to you know those wrestlers getting called up and also the fact that diy is kind of working together now how do you feel about that
0: I think DIY getting together as a tag team again gives them a launching platform to break up and you get another <laughs> good match between Gargano and Tomasa Ciampa. I think it's interesting. Um, I you know, maybe you send them up as a tag team and that does that would work. Uh, I it's unfortunate that they're that people are still worried about, you know, Ciampa's size because I think that he has proven that he could he can kind of work with I mean I am at least on the independent scene, he can pretty much work with any person. And I think the kind of heel he plays would be I think he could I think that he could definitely be on your main roster as a singles competitor. Now whether or not, you know, the old guard believes that or not, that's a different story. But sending them up as a tag team when the tag team division on Raw is so weak, uh, I would prefer that they go to, to SmackDown. But then you have groups like Sanity over there, which to me, was a really good tag team uh, that aren't doing anything really, real, like realistically, if you think about it. So, you know, it's just weird. I wouldn't want to keep those two guys together as a tag team if I, I had to, uh, if I didn't have. Division outside of the New Day and the bar is a little bit of an afterthought most of the time, uh, it, at least, you know, from what I've watched the past six months. So, uh, and, and, of course, the Usos. Uh, but yeah, like I, you know, SmackDown being the shorter show and with having as many titles as they have, you put them on there, then do they get lost in the shuffle or do we end up with a bunch of, you know, eight way tag matches or some weird shit like that that they like to do sometimes when they have too many tag teams, um, on SmackDown. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I would prefer to see Tommaso Champa go solo. I think he is the stronger of the two, especially when he's playing heel. Um, I think Johnny Gargano is obviously a great in-ring wrestler. He just, like, personality-wise doesn't really do anything for me outside of that tag team and outside of that feud. Um, As far as DIY, I agree with you 100%. I think they need to go together, and I think once they get there, they should really get some bustle in their group, be it someone like a Samoa Joe or someone like a Kevin Owens who's worked with uh, Adam Cole like fleshing that out to have a bruiser, at least one big guy in that group uh, would go a long way with it. I, I think, uh, you know, similar to, you know, bullet club, having your, you know, your bruisers of sorts with like uh God, why can I not think of your name right now? But you get what I'm calling? getting at is having, yeah, there you go. So, uh, yeah, having, having the one big guy in your group, your, your bodyguard almost of sorts, uh, would probably be a good idea for them once they get to Maine, especially if they end up going to raw because we have seen Braun Strowman destroy like the bar who are both, uh, one is a former heavyweight champion and the other one is, you know, Cesaro who's won multiple titles and is a great wrestler as well. Uh, So it's, it's, you look at that and it doesn't make you feel very confident that they wouldn't do that to part of DIY. So having a bruiser in there would at least give you something to lean back on, even if it's someone like Drew McIntyre. If this this thing with Drew McIntyre doesn't work out, throwing him in DIY would probably work okay. As long as Adam, as long as you know Adam Cole's there, I think it's it's going to be fine. I think I said Adam Page earlier. I meant Adam Cole, obviously. So apologies. Um, and then, God, I'm trying to go through everything you mentioned, and I know I'm missing something, but.
1: I, I mean, Velveteen obviously Dream. Alistair Black. Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream, and what was the other person that should probably be coming up? It was DIY Undisputed Era, Velveteen Lars Dream, Sullivan. Alistair Black. Well, he's already on his way to one of them. Um, and EC3 is someone I think is going to be coming up pretty soon, probably even quicker than Ricochet. They'll probably chill with Ricochet for a minute and let him do his thing is what I'm assuming.
0: I I, I see I see guys like Lars Sullivan, EC3, uh, gone within a year. Same with Bobby Lashley. I, I don't think that they're going to use them appropriately. I don't think that they believe in their stardom or their ability to be top stars. So even if they stick around, I think they will be used more in the slot of how they use Kane um, as Kane got older, where he's just like a mid-card heel. Um, unfortunately, I yeah. think EC3 has You know, he's just not that impressive in the ring. I think he does have a swagger about him um, on his promos, especially when he was in Impact. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible for EC3 to get there. I just Lars Sullivan, I don't see an upside for him if you put him in on either. If I had to put him on one, it would be SmackDown because that is the brand that lacks a monster at this point because Baron Corbin is no longer there. Their closest thing to like a monster big guy heel is Samoa Joe. And he's not really that, you know. Uh, so maybe, you, you know, if you give him a big run or a big push where he's demolishing people, but the problem is it's in the shadow of what Braun has done over the past year and a half uh, with WWE fans. So it's, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for Lars in general because I don't think he's that good on the mic. I think he's a good in-ring worker. He just doesn't really have a, a look or anything about him that's going to stand out. So he's going to have to be booked really well For it to work Um, And maybe he even ends up Being in a tag team or something who knows But uh, Velveteen Dream I think Is is, to me like I said I think he could be the biggest star He could be the future star that they've been Looking for so to me it makes sense To put him on Raw and Give him the push he deserves I I don't Treat him like you did you know Treat well actually treat him like you treated Finn Balor and then hopefully he won't get injured And will be able to run with it uh, in a way that would be amazing, because I think that the, the guy's solid gold. Um, Ricochet, I think, is also great, but I, I could see him fitting more into SmackDown, um, just because I think there's a lot of talent over there, like Daniel the Daniel Bryans, the uh, Samoa Joes, the uh, Jeff Hardy, the Randy Ordens. I think there's just a lot of really good matches you can get out of Ricochet on SmackDown, and he could be your new AJ Styles-esque. Like kind of face. Like if you want to have a title on a guy that's just going to have really good matches and make the product entertaining, I think Ricochet could be that guy. Um, and damn it, I think I hit all of them. But if I didn't, I apologize, Dave. Uh, but you you brought no, up some really fine. good points. As
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think with EC3 specifically, and this is I really don't want to knock at him because I do I do think he's charismatic and he's great, but. You know, there's two wrestlers right now that are very similar in flavor on the independent scene or just non-WWE scene with MJF, uh, a.k.a. Maxwell Jacob Fieldman, and also Eli Drake in Impact that have what he has, plus great in-ring ability, and they're younger. So EC3 is someone that's kind of an interesting concept. Um, I think he's better suited for Raw. Vince likes muscle guys. He's usually not worried about in-ring worth if you have that. Capability, and if you can talk on the on the mic, he'll worry about it later when it comes to that. Um, Ricochet is definitely SmackDown. Um, I definitely think that he would work out well. Like I said, I don't think Pete Dunne's someone they're worried about. I think they want to keep him as a UK guy going back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to main anytime soon. I think he deserves to. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even know if he wants to do that. You got to realize, even going back to Walter. Or like an Okada or Naito coming out of New Japan. Um, or out of Japan, I should say. Their homes are pretty damn far away from here. So them leaving is a whole entire life change for one of those guys to come over here just full time. So I kind of get it. Um, actually, I completely get it. But yeah, that is your whole entire shebang for the NXT guys and the rumor. So or not the rumor, the uh, the spoiler, if you will. I just think that specifically with DIY, I would rather them go solo and we don't have to worry about the stupid bullshit because it's really petty and dumb and we're over it. Because Gargano and and Ciampa are great. Uh, I just think that if they go as a package together, they come out of NXT as a tag team together, both, both heels, go on the main product, let the people that know about them really boo them, get some heat, get them in a tag team, that yeah, sucks. If you put them on Raw, I mean, it's not like they haven't had great matches with the Revival and, and, uh, and uh, AOPP, uh, but AOPP and the Revival are not doing too well. But on SmackDown, like you said, there's a lot of talent on there, and right now you have a current faction, Sanity, that's not even being used. But then again, the potential of having DIY go against the Usos, you know, going against the New Day... Who knows? Maybe the New Day will get drafted to Raw. I don't know really what they're going to do, especially with this whole entire Fox gaining SmackDown, wanting it more sports-driven, where they're going to put certain acts you know, to complement each other. Um, I really feel like if you put the New Day on Raw, maybe it will invigorate the tag team division because for some reason, and for good reason actually, Vince actually cares about the New Day. Uh, same thing with the bar, which can't be around for too much longer. I'm just saying I don't want to be... Cesar, I, I know that Sheamus has talked multiple times that he's he's going to be making his last goes pretty soon, you know, based on his back. So get DIY out there. You get them as heels. Then you get Tommaso Ciampa to screw over Johnny again. You know, you bring that whole entire thing. Johnny becomes babyface. Put Tommaso Ciampa kind of like you did Austin Aries with, with Killer Cross and Moose and Impact. Get, two, get one, at least, big guy that's intimidating like a Drew McIntyre to back them up um, and, you know, just have some great matches with the two of them like you have on main product. And they can bounce off of that. I'm just trying, I'm not necessarily saying, and I know I'm talking more to the audience. I know Chris knows what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I, I, they, they need to go as a tag team. I'm just saying the rub of them as a tag team on main would help them build, build credibility and probably have them get over better with, Not the crowd so much but what Vince's perception on them. Either way, did you have any last statements to say before I moved on, Chris?
0: No, I mean, I think you've made a lot of really good points about DIY. And and thinking about Fox wanting something more sports-driven, a team like them coming over with a team like, you know, the New Day moving out would make a lot of sense. Um, And then – you know, pulling Sanity into the bowl who were, who were more serious. Maybe you just kind of weed out some of the, some of that stuff on SmackDown. And you just get really good matches. I think, I think, you know, they are a good fit there. So uh, outside of that, I think I got everything off my chest that I wanted to talk
1: about as far as
0: where I would move those
1: cats. All right. Sounds good. Let's get these uh, last three topics knocked out. Uh, WWE moves NXT takeover, New York, WrestleMania weekend from Saturday night. The same night as Supercard from Ring of Honor, New Japan at Madison Square Garden to Friday night and puts the uh, Hall of Fame on Saturday night. So the question from a lot of fans of either WWE, professional wrestling, non-WWE, if you will, did WWE blink? And I want to say that I think, yes, technically they did. But I think it's more in worrying about splitting ticket sales between the two events going on at the same time than, say, people watching the pay-per-view one over the other. Uh, because they know us wrestling fans that are not going to New York are going fi- to watch these, even if they're not live. So this way you don't have to worry about the costs of tickets getting smashed by one or the other. I know <laughs> that weekend, I'm looking more forward to Friday and Saturday night now than Then Sunday night with WrestleMania, I'm sure they're going to build some great stuff, but Friday you're you're telling me we'll have NXT and we'll have Lucha Underground versus uh, Impact 2. I'm pretty sure they're doing. I'm almost positive. I could be wrong about that. Either way, Impact has their their stuff on Friday night. Pretty sure Evolve has their Saturday during the daytime. And Saturday night, the Supercard Ring of Honor versus New Japan, Sunday night WrestleMania weekend. Pretty good weekend regardless Chris, do you think WWE was intimidated by New Japan and Ring of Honor? <sighs> Not
0: really. I mean, I, I think NXT would still sell out, right? I think that's the bigger draw. And, and most of the fans that are coming in are coming in to see WrestleMania. So, I, you know, it, I think it's more of like you said, what is the point? I, I don't even think it's going to be splitting. I, wouldn't even, I don't even want to say that it would be even splitting ticket prices more so than WWE wants people to watch their stuff so not having it the same night as you know a, a stream I'm assuming that thing is going to be streaming live because ring of Honor streams it you know streams that every year so not having NXT stream at the same time is probably the the real uh, focus there uh, to not lose those views but as far as like ticket sales and stuff you know NXT is going to sell out whether you have I mean, they always have that many events in town. There's other stuff going on on Saturday in previous years as well. Obviously not as big as this, but I, you know, I think it's more of uh, your views for the WWE Network and how many people are going to be watching NXT. And it could also be that they want to beef up that Friday, which is generally speaking, is just the Hall of Fame. Um, so this gives them back-to-back content on Friday. And then I guess, you know, I would be curious if they split something out separately on Saturday with as long as these damn WrestleManias are going, and maybe they're testing the waters on that, letting some of these matches out as far as pre-shows go, as far as maybe taping those or something. I don't know, but uh, its I, I doubt that'll happen this year, but if this proves to work in the future, it could be something they could do where they could do a three-day event with wrestling, and have basically a two-day WrestleMania as opposed to a one-day WrestleMania and trying to squeeze everything into one 10-hour show. Um, So, you know, some of it is a little bit that they did bat bat an eye or did get a little little offensive about it because I think they don't want to stream against another show if they don't have to. They generally don't have to worry about that uh, with their pay-per-views. So I think it's more that they're like, there's no sense to go head to head for a streaming, a streaming uh,
1: a stream people, uh, paper. People. Yeah, absolutely. You know who win us wrestling fans, because we get to watch all that WrestleMania weekend. Um, lot to cover and it's coming up soon. We're going, we're going towards the road very soon. I can't believe wrestle kingdoms like a couple weeks away. That's that's crazy. Either way. Speaking about Wrestle Kingdom related to New Japan, Neville, a.k.a. Bastard Pock, will be be facing both Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay for New Japan affiliated British Wrestling Promotion Revolutionary Pro. Uh, I believe Ishii still is a champion for that. He's going against Zack Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't sound too convincing, do I? Pretty sure that's the case. Either way. You know, we know that he was involved with Pro Wrestling Noah. That's where he made his debut back on. Uh, but could Neville be headed potentially to New Japan to do some stuff, uh, whether or not be affiliated with Revolutionary Pro or just by himself? He's already approaching two of their wrestlers uh, with Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. You know, will, will that happen, Chris? Is that something that you'd want to see as Neville over in New Japan? I feel like that's a yes, but I'll just ask you anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he would be a great addition to something. I mean, if you're going to bring him in, the go-to for me would be the G1, right? Absolutely. And then, and then your uh, your light heavyweight uh, turn your light heavyweight tournament. I think he's a perfect fit for that because they always bring in someone anyways from outside of New Japan. I think he's a good fit for that, and then you can just work him in like they did with, uh, you know, Will Osprey and. Uh, why can't I think of his name? But the the, the, the latter of the two that you were just talking about. Um, the Jr. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a good fit. He's a great damn wrestler. I loved what he was doing as a cruiserweight. I think that, you know, it, it's sad that, that WWE uh, let him go, or he chose to be let go because of some of the decisions booking and stuff, because I, I thought that he was a really good fit when he was doing I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched any of his recent independent work, but you know, based on prior to WWE, in WWE and WWE and his body of work there, I mean, the guy's a damn good wrestler and that King Neville gimmick that he had was, was pretty fucking awesome. So having someone like that in uh, a, like a heel to go against your Zack Sabre and your Will Ospreys of the world, which they like to do in new Japan, I think is is a good idea. And I mean, worst case scenario, even if we just get him into the G1 and and the light heavyweight championship, you're still going to get some good matches out of that you wouldn't normally see. So I think that's a very, very big chance. As far as him coming over full-time, I think a lot of that varies. One would be how much money uh, New Japan would be willing to offer him versus how much he's making on the independency, obviously. And also, is a lot of the guys he probably would want to wrestle, are they going to be there? Which I think is one of your (laughs) coming-up news topics with the – all of the IPs related to all of the wrestling and, and how many of those guys are actually going to be there when, when that time comes around. Cause we're talking six months out to, to G1.
1: And you're absolutely right. But not only that, maybe new Japan could use some new, uh, some new people, just like how we were talking about ring of honor, but that's a good segue into our last topic. We have a little bit of a little bit of time to talk about this. Um, I, I went into it last week, Chris, about the main news uh, as far as the IPs um, being purchased from whereabouts within Jacksonville. Uh, you know, we were obviously finding out it was the Jackson Brothers, but, uh, you know, between All Elite Wrestling, uh, Double or Nothing, which is supposed to be the follow up pay per view for um, All In, All Out, which is another pay per view name, uh, AEW. And then my favorite, Tuesday night, Dynamite, Uh, just because – and me and you are both on the same fucking level about all this. This is never, ever, ever going to be a – this is an alternative. This could be bigger, I think, than the perception that New Japan's even built here in the U.S., Ring of Honor, Impact. It could especially if they have some type of established relationship with certain organizations, because we know that Cody still wants to be participating in new Japan. He said that very recently ring of honor. I think that's more of a shade of probably not, but impact with Don Callis, new Japan, there still could be that possibility. We know that SmackDown is moving to Friday night. So there is an opening for Tuesday night. The Problem with all of this has been, and this has been stated by Dave Metzler, Brian Alvarez, a lot of the people, a lot of pugnates, including myself, J.R. included, who was, you know, him and Chris Jericho are both definitely a part of this whole entire thing, which ended up just being BS. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe Jr. will – maybe they'll make Jr. and Tony Schiavone the announced team. Wouldn't that be fucking incredible? Um, maybe that will have something to do with it. Maybe Chris Jericho, who's right now in talks with Impact, maybe he'll have some type of presence wrestling-wise on this product. I, I, I don't doubt that. Um, but Matt and Nick Jackson, you know, have a place for now Tuesday to put their show. They just need to get a TV deal. Without a TV deal, none of this will end up working out. Con family is in charge of this, the son of the father, owners of Jacksonville Jaguars, um, huge analytic guy when it comes to MLB and the NFL, uh, also has been a huge uh, – Dave Metzler said that he's been a – I I think that he's been a part of the Observer or subscribed to it for the last 20 years, so he's very, very much into pro pro wrestling. That's good. They have a Ted Turner-like person, if you will. They have someone with money. You look at Sinclair Broadcasting, though, they're a huge company, and look how big Ring of Honor has gotten. So it's where you can put it on television and how much money the person wants to pump into the product. So I don't know. Jackson Brothers admitted that the IPs were purchased. Uh, they said they have talked to television companies, they have talked to investors, they never really talked too deeply into the Khan family, and then Cody this last weekend was at the Jacksonville Jaguar game in the owner's box with the Khan family. So all this being said, Chris, are you excited that this is probably going to be an alternative wrestling you know, uh, organization that they can probably do pretty damn well for themselves? But do you even see them potentially making it to the level that TNA did in the late aughts? Or is this something that's just going to be on the same level for a niche crowd, but we're going to enjoy it if you're a wrestling fan, and they'll go from there?
0: I mean, right off the bat, if they get scroll, pay, uh Hangman Page, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega all locked in, and they can work out some contract deals that'll let people come over from, you know, Lucha Underground or MLW, maybe even uh, from Ring of Honor. If they can work that stuff out and build a roster, then yes. My worry is, at this point, doing this, WWE has bought all of the talent. And the ones they haven't bought are in developmental territories that Triple H is currently building. So you gotta go out and find that next guy and convince them to be part of this show. Um, I think they can definitely offer you an alternative product. The problem is, is right now, all of the people that are in it or are rumored to be a part of this are all part of the same little clique. So you're not really going to be able to have them just fight each other every night. Uh, the roster goes a long way. I think, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is what talent you have. Um, if you can pull an ECW out of your ass and find you know, the Chris Benoits and the Chris Jerichos and the uh, Psychosis and the Ray Mysterios that, that are kind of just out there hanging out during that time period like ECW did, and you can find that niche group and bring them into the fold, then yeah, you'll have an alternative product. And, and at that point, if you have someone like this owner, um, which this is where it gets a little different than Sinclair Broadcasting – it's a lot different when there's one solitary billionaire that's willing to go against another billionaire versus we're a publicly traded TV group, which is where impact is at. But if you have a straight billionaire owning this and he really wants to go for the gold and go after Vince for some reason, the biggest thing that goes there is the talent and obviously the TV. I could see them doing something where instead of having a traditional TV contract, you do something with Hulu. Um, and stream live because Hulu has live streaming. Uh, There's a lot of different avenues out there, and we're probably talking about a year or two out just for the branding. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, XFL was announced in 2017. That thing is not going live until 2020. Like, getting something that big done properly with a TV deal, the proper advertising, getting a roster lined up, getting uh, just your film crew, your lighting crew, all of that stuff takes time uh, and money. So, it's interesting. I do think they could do an alternative, and if there are, if they do want to go for the goal, you know, having someone, an owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably a legitimate billionaire, I'd have to look up, you know, their income. That's the kind of guy you would have to have to give Vince McMahon competition, but they have to be willing to lose money for the first few years. That's, that's the other thing is that you have to be willing to take on big contracts and lose money that's what Eric Bischoff convinced Ted Turner he needed to do and it ended up burning them in the long run so while you have the success story of yes WCW was very successful very profitable you also have the downside of that where they were spending more money than they were making and shit crashed
1: <laughs> so
0: that's uh it's interesting I- i'm i'm ready for to watch that unfold
1: And that's the bottom line, just go, go, set, Absolutely. And uh, I think that we'll continue to find out more information as the weeks go. The announcement's going to be made. I think they've been saying on um, being the elite, I think it was in January, once uh, Cody and the Bucks contrast specifically. We still have no idea what's going on with Kenny. Um, so there's a lot of what-ifs in the situation. point is, though, wrestling is expanding And maybe as fans, maybe once in a while we should be a little more appreciative about all the wrestling we have at the end of our fingertips and online and the fact that we can go all the way in the past and watch a Lou Fez match against Buddy Rogers and then go over on the network and watch a match from from NXT UK all in the same 20-minute – well, actually, their matches were way longer than that – in the same hour. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just happy that there's all this wrestling. I just wish Rob wouldn't suck so fucking fast. Uh, either way, great episode. I uh, really enjoy talking to you guys out there and talking to, of course, my co host, Chris. Chris, say goodbye to all the wonderful people.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Dane, thanks for uh, having the great conversations, man. I always enjoy it. Uh, you can reach me at Chris Patton on Twitter, at Chris Patton. So uh, be sure to give me a follow. And uh, everybody, have a great night, man.
1: Absolutely, guys. Remember, follow us over on Facebook and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Check it out. Check out our website gvnation.com for everything with news and links to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, our iTunes, our Blog Talk account. And also, if you guys are a fan of purchasing tickets, it uh, doesn't matter if it's wrestling events, sporting events, concerts, check out, seat if you guys use the promo code Geek Vibes all in one word, you get $20 off your first purchase when downloading the apps check that out guys have a wonderful evening and of course let the geek vibes be with you say goodbye